Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Backyard Roundtable segment of the Project Simper podcast. Here in episode one of BRT, my co-host Jennifer and I talk about the genesis of Project Simper. We ramble a bit, so bear with us. Think about these first few episodes like starting a novel. You have to get exposition, setting, and conflict baselines established before you can get to adventure and conflict resolution. Now, the purpose of Project Semper is to figure out our potential and how to elevate ourselves to that level each day so that we may try to become something resembling the best version of ourselves. The purpose of the Project Semper podcast is simply to put those kind of thoughts into the universe. If you're into it, please stop by ProjectSemper.com for other episodes, videos, and blog posts. You can also find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music Podcasts, and Audible, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also find videos, reels, and other fun stuff on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Your hub for all things Project Semper, though, should always be ProjectSemper.com because we can't get algorithmed out of existence there. As always, remember to be proactive and like, subscribe, and share any and all of the stuff you find from Project Semper. If you have found value in it, someone else you know probably will too. I appreciate a little slice of your valuable time, and I hope you join in the journey. Let's go. There's a very big difference between a broadcast and a podcast. How much time have you spent in this studio by yourself? <laughs> hundreds <laughs> of hours. Hundreds. <laughs> and by studio, of course, we are referring to the quasi-soundproofed um, closet in the what would be the third bedroom of our condo, but uh, serves as the den. But this is a, with the exception of the corner here where the um, where the uh, uh, air return is oh. for the HVAC, it's quite a uh, quite a nice space. When I took out the shelves and painted it, made it into a. I appreciate that you left the sprinkler in case the apartment catches on fire. Yep, you know, didn't know if we. Uh, might kick up any sparks in here, but we, mm. we will be safe from conflagration. <laughs> I do like candles, but I almost never burn them anymore because I forget to blow them out. It's, it's a problem. That is a problem, generally speaking. <laughs> it's amazing when you look at history, and particularly in the South, the, up in the industrialized cities in the Northeast and the Upper Midwest, they did. They had fires, but they seemed to suffer a lot of other bizarre catastrophes, like molasses floods and things like that. Um, the giant ship that sank in Michigan. Yeah, was it the great? Was that in Boston? Where was that that they had the great had the great molasses flood? Uh, this is the first I'm hearing of it. So, no, you should look that up. I um, did not come prepared with my molasses flood history notes, but. I want to say it was Boston, but I could be wildly wrong about that. But sometime around the turn of the last century, um, I believe there was an explosion in a molasses factory in 
You should see, there are pictures of this. The streets are flooded with feet of molasses. It was crazy. People die. I mean, people drown and died and go. It was like a landslide. Stuck in this sticky thing. But anyway, um, every time you look in about something that happened in the South or you're looking for records or ancestry or history about something in the South, it's like, yeah, well, we can only go back this far because the house burned down before that or the whole town burned down before that. That's because the South has more wooden infrastructure and the Northeast and Midwest do not. 150 years ago? I don't know. I don't think there was much of anything else. Maybe they had more, because of winter weather, maybe they had more robust structural um, practices up there. But Maybe there's also fewer, well, no, because in the winter you would burn a fire to keep warm. So there's even more fires up there than there are down here. I don't know. It's a conundrum that we can continue to... Research and analyze. Yes. Molasses <laughs> floods and the South burning down, notwithstanding. Um, I think to get into what we're getting into, it's, it's, we're sort of beginning at the beginning by going back to the beginning, sort of in the middle. Um, I've been, this represents an excellent um a, a really, a really cool moment for me having you here you. because I started doing a little podcast called Backyard Brown Table about, I don't know, five years ago, five, six years ago. And it was, I, the name was derived from something that I want, I wanted it to be a conversational, um, I wanted it to have a conversational feel, except I could not, I could never find anyone to do the podcast with me. I would have, I did some interviews and I had some guests and, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but it just didn't have the feel that I wanted and it wasn't political. It wasn't even specifically topical. It was just sort of, um, human issues, things about which we all, um, with which we all struggle, so to speak, or, and not even that it wasn't always, you know, it wasn't, um, uh, trials and tribulations. A lot of it was fun and it was just stuff that kind of came off the top of my head. I had stuff to say, and that's the thing is, you know, if that's one of the precepts of project Semper here is that if you have something to say, you need to say it. And that's part of the, um, if you don't, if you don't, you leave it as a kernel of a nugget of a proto idea that never gets to be born because it never gets put out into the world. You don't get to flesh it out. And right. And that's part of the process that actually has, I feel has been broken within the last, we'll be generous and say 20 years, but it's been more like probably 12, 13 years, something like that, where we have really stopped encouraging reading, writing, thinking, speaking as a culture, because we're, we're, we're connected with everybody. We're taking videos and photos of ourselves all the time and sending them out to the universe. And liking other people's to right. show that we're paying attention. But, and it's all for validation, but we're not actually connecting with other people and we're not having genuine conversations in any way that kind of circles back to what I wanted to do with backyard round table and why it was named backyard round table. And I eventually just started interviewing my daughter. 
It just became her, she and I, um, having goofy little conversations about our vacations and tacos and things like that. And it was very cute and it was very fun. But so backyard round table, keep, keep that in mind, keep that name in mind because backyard, the backyard round table podcast eventually became, here's a thing. And here's a thing started shaping more into short monologues daily short monologues, like on the four to seven minute range of me talking about something like communication skills or standing up straight or whatever. It's like, and and that's where the title came from because it was something that I say to my wife all the time, which is, Hey, here's a thing that about it, about it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's where that came from. But here's a thing, the podcast. Also, there was there is another podcast called Here's A Thing, which is wildly different than anything that I do. And so I had trouble getting traction with that. But I was doing that podcast at a time at an v- extremely difficult personal time, as you will recall. Um, and so here's a thing started morphing into this other thing that I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where I would end up, but I knew why I was, I mean, not even really sure I knew why I was heading in that direction, but I I knew that there was a direction that I had to head. And that is where Project Simper was born from those other two podcasts and from a conversation that you and I had sitting at my house one day. I think it was New I think it was New Year's Day. I think so and I was trying to remember which year and I want to say that it was 2017 because at the end of 2018 I was already living in my house off of New Riverside and I don't think that I came to you but I can't remember. That's anyway. that's I mean I can look back because I'm sh- well, I know that I wrote about it. I know that I wrote about that conversation and I know that I did at least a handful of podcast episodes based around that. And so I can, I can actually go back and find that. But if you would just ask me to guess, I would have said it would have been New Year's Day of 2019. So it may have been. I actually can go back also and look at my Amazon order history <laughs> because I remember what I got you guys for Christmas that year. My goodness, what would we do without <laughs> Amazon? Um, and so to kind of tie a bow on this particular line of thinking, I'm when I started gelling Project Semper together, which we'll start talking about here. And again, I've already done a whole bunch of podcast episodes and videos, which you can find and my blog, which you can find at projectsemper.com, which is where I want to primarily send everybody because projectsemper.com is not algorithmed and controlled by evil entities. But I'm also doing stuff on those other entities, little reels and videos and um short podcast episodes, which you can find on Apple podcasts and all those places. But this, this little thing that you and I are doing or that we're about to engage in is the thing that I've wanted to do for quite some time. And you are the person 
with whom I've been wanting to do this. You, you were my first thought about this because you, you and I have very good and very deep conversations about things. And a lot more often than not, we, we're going, we end up in the same place, but we get there through different methods. I think a lot of times, a lot of times we do agree. A lot of times we are on the same page, which makes us copacetic and it's we've known each other long enough to have conversations where we can disagree or can get somewhere through different means without being too irritated well i don't know if meredith ever told you this but uh for the first several years that her and i became friends and coworkers and all that um i would hang out and you would be there and i would tell her that i did not know how to converse with you I did, I enjoyed our time together, but I did because you have so much in your head and I sort of just didn't know how to process it and then respond. It actually took me a couple of years to learn how to digest what you were saying and then to meet you where you were saying, and then it got really fun, (laughs) but it took me a while. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think, I guess she never told you that, but yeah. No, she never told me that. No, it wasn't a bad thing. Um, to solve the mystery of these names and places and you and me and everybody that we're talking about. Sorry. My name is Scott Schroeder. Those of you that have been with me f- since since Backyard Roundtable are aware of who I am. And sitting across the table from me is my friend Jennifer Friedman. And I am so pleased to have her with me as she has been wittingly or unwittingly a part of the birth and growth of Project Semper, um, which we're going to get to... Uh, start talking about here shortly, which I'm sure you're very glad of. Um, and Meredith is my wife. And so that solves those mysteries. Like, who are they talking about? They just started talking and didn't introduce themselves. By the way, we've been recording for 15 minutes and 38 seconds now. I didn't even tell you I pressed the record button, but that's how you start. That's how you initiate good, uh, free flow, uncanned conversation. So the point here. As I touched, and by the way, so anyway, I said I was going to put a bow on it, and I never did, so here's the bow. So you and I are the beginning of the roundtable. So this is the Project Semper roundtable, backyard roundtable version, and I'd like to have somebody else sitting here with us because, first of all, a conversation is much better than a monologue, and second of all, a conversation with more people can put more ideas out into the universe. And that is exactly and wholly what I want to do is put ideas out into the universe. Um, There's nothing new under the sun, which I believe I've read somewhere in an ancient text. And then again and again and again and again (laughs) in other texts. But somehow these these great ideas, uh, they keep repeating and they keep coming from different places and different angles and mostly they're so old that no one knows how old they are or where they came from because and the reason they have survived this long is because they are salient functional good ideas that have that have withstood clearly the test of time eons um but have also evolved they evolved but didn't change the core value of the ideas. So I want to put ideas into the universe and I don't know that I'll put a new idea into the universe, but I think that having more voices, there's a million billion podcasts you can listen to that 
and you can find great people on podcasts or on YouTube uh, every day. There's there's tons and tons of them, but I think having more voices putting more ideas out into the universe and discussing them is a good thing. Um, so I am not claiming to be some sort of uh, guru of sage advice. I will never claim that. Um, there are a lot of people in my life who would never let me get away with trying to claim that, not that I ever would even entertain the idea. But putting ideas out into the universe, discussing them, um, that's that's not what Project Semper is all about, but that is the vehicle by which I hope to grow Project Semper. And again, if you're still unsure of the name, um, there's some meaning behind it, which we'll get into, but I want to start here. Your life's injunction starts here. At some point in your life, hopefully sooner rather than later, you need to proceed down the path to becoming fully aware that everything, good and bad, starts with you and your tenebrous potential to be something. You are ultimately in control, such as that may be in human life. When you come into being at this stage of whatever it is that a human life may be, you are nothing more than a little ball of potential, a small force of chaotic energy with the potential to become something dynamic. You have the potential to be anything within the scale of human existence from bottom-feeding malevolent predator to, meh, I'm just here, to a force in the elevation of humanity. That potential isn't defined. It isn't preordained. Your potential is shaped through an ongoing series of decisions, actions, and interactions affected by a constantly evolving world. Why should you make every effort possible to be the highest form of you? Visualize yourself in these terms. No matter where in the societal construct you were born, if you do not seek to elevate yourself, then you will simply seek the lowest place you can occupy with the least amount of perceivable effort, the fabled path of least resistance. If for whatever reason you choose this path, you will be far more likely to be trapped in a difficult living environment. It will be impossible for you to find a mate who isn't just like your sorry self, or even worse, you are far more likely to engage in self-medication through cheap intoxicants and general immorality. The food you put in your body when you have it will deteriorate your physical condition and your lifestyle will cause mental health problems, rapid aging, and constant illness. All of these things are verified through science and through time. There's no question about this. And the thing is that you won't even be self-aware enough to see that the place you chose by looking down the scale of effort, by seeking the mythical path of least resistance, ironically requires every bit of effort you can produce just to survive that day. If you do this long enough, you will die painfully. And you will die relatively young. You will die with little to no people who will mourn you or even talk about your existence after your pathetic death spiral. If anyone remembers and talks about you, they will lament what could have been. Therefore, your life's injunction is this. 
you can use all of your effort to aim up and elevate yourself, or you can settle into passive disinterest in how you live and use all of your effort merely to survive one wretched and tragic day after the next. There is no path of least resistance. Whatever life you construct through time and evolving matters will give you resistance. You can solve or you can merely survive. So no, there is no path of least resistance, but there is a path of least effectiveness. And that, I, I wrote that, I've, I, as I've written and read and rewritten and reread over and over again over about the last four years, that, that passage that I just read, it's what's become clear to me, a revelation that maybe many other people have had, many others have had long before, uh, way before in their life cycle than I had, but hey, better late to the party than never, I suppose. I, I used to nerd out on, well, used to, I nerd out on science shows. I love Nova and things like that. Anything about the universe that's so beyond our scope of understanding, it just makes your brain explode. I love watching that stuff. And I watched um, an episode, I think it was probably an episode of Nova, where they were talking about the concept of entropy, which is the natural course of deterioration, essentially, is the simplest way to put it. And what I just, what I wrote and what I just read it seems to me like it's choosing entropy or choosing to stand up and maintain yourself to fight off entropy. Interesting. Because as I was going through the last few years, which have been a, a set of big, bold brushstrokes, if I step back and look at the big picture of my life, one of my issues that I still work on is control. And being always being in control and, you know, knowing what's around me. Um, one of the things that I learned through therapy was to sometimes let go of the giant tree that I was holding onto in this giant river of the universe and go, all right, let's take the ride. Let's see what's happening. Because I was missing out on a lot of things because I was so busy trying to stick to my tree. So it's like, there are, there's a way of riding the wave of the universe, but staying on top rather than letting it sort of suck you down and just roll on the bottom with all the gravel. That's just my visual. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there are times when you will be sucked to the bottom and crushed on the gravel, but you have to learn to recognize when that next wave is coming along and, and understand yourself enough to know how to deal with it. But um, it's, in, it's interesting you used, uh, the, the sort of the metaphor of holding on to the tree. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff in my head that I have no idea where it came from through reading and all the conversations that I've had. I want to say pretty much about everything like this kind of comes, has its root in Buddhism. But as we, as I said a few minutes ago, most of these concepts are so old, we don't know where they came from. And when you look at Buddhism or Christianity or Judaism or Islam or anything like that, they pretty much all come 
from the, they tell the exact same story. Calm down, some of you, but it's true. For example, the story, the origin story of the Buddha and the story of Adam and Eve, it's the same story. Have you ever, have you read and compared these two? I'm extremely familiar with the Adam and Eve. I am, uh, I read Siddhartha, but I don't think that's the same as the Buddha origin story. <laughs> no, anyway, I don't want to get down a tangent down that road. But anyway, the, the point being that doesn't matter wherever this came from it's it's probably an ancient concept and i think i remember reading it in a novel actually and then i went and started researching it but it it says this that to be free you have to let go and letting go of that tree that you were talking about it's it's and again how this in my brain how this circles back to entropy and how if you have um if you have a house, if you own a home and you never do anything to it, you just live there. You don't take care of the HVAC. You don't um, have clean. an, yeah, you don't have an exterminator. You don't clean the counter. You don't clean the baseboards. Um, all this crap that you have to Mow do, it's going to decay. If you leave it alone, everything, if you leave it alone, will decay, including yourself. And that's kind of what we're trying to avoid here. So. Project Simper came from a tangent I had on an episode of um, Here's the Thing. And I used to do, it was fun. Um, I had uh, the podcast platform that I used enabled me to do live um, podcasting. And I used to get people, I, I could see the little list where people would kind of jump in and out and kind of look, looking cool. through live podcasts. And I talked to people in Iran and in uh, uh, Eastern Europe, Bulgaria and France. And people would call people because they could call in. You had some Scandinavian followers. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. It was really, really cool seeing that. But anyway, um, I have a couple of friends around. Uh, here that you around in the U S that would tune in regularly. And so it was almost like I was speaking to them cause I knew they were there and I kind of went on this little bit of rant talking about, um, being start. I started building this, this, this idea, this concept in my head of my per sort of rounding out my personal philosophy and how in the hell it was, I was going to take myself and move forward given the previous 50 years of my life, that current sort of two to three year period in which I had a fire hose of life pointed at me through the adoption of a child and everything that came with that and all of the stuff that I got shredded by and learned from and sort of how, and then, and then what was I going to do with all that? What was I going to do with my life that I had lived and all the stupid shit that I've done in my entire life, all the good things that I've done, the people I've met, um, how was I going to take anything and do with, do anything with this? Because I'm not famous. No one knows who I am. Um, I'm, I'm living in a small town in South Carolina and I run a business and, you know, I have a little network of people down here through my business and all that, but no, I'm, no one knows who I am. Why am I here with a microphone in front of me trying to do this? And it's because I feel like I have something to say 
and I want to talk about it and I want to discuss it with other people, people who I trust and admire. And um, so I was going on and on about what kind of person I had been and was going through metamorphosizing through and into the other side of becoming and this 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 uh this phrase came out of nowhere it was something about becoming a self-engendering machine of perpetual effectiveness and people heard that and they were like that's awesome did you where'd you get that i'm like i don't know it just came out of my head I was just kind of riffing and then riding in the car on the way to, I don't even know, probably my in-laws or something like that. Um, about the first 30 or 40 minutes of any of our drive is me just yapping to my wife and her pretending to listen. I don't want to do her an injustice. She's actually a very good listener. Um, but I told her about, actually, I played her that episode. I played her that episode where I said that I want to become a self-engendering machine of perpetual effectiveness. Who wouldn't want to be that? And she goes in her way. She said, well, it's a shame that there wasn't another word at the end of that that started with R because then it would be simper. And Simper means always, and you were a Marine, and it would just fit with all of that whole stuff. The Marine motto being Simperfy, if you don't know, um, Semper Fidelis. And I went, you're a genius. And so I started taking this organic thing that came out of me, and I was trying to, uh, to figure out without forcing some fake nonsense, is there, is there an R? Is there a possibility for an R that can round this thing out? And so I spun it around the brain box and what made the most sense was resolve. And so SIMPER is an acronym and it's my, um, my mantra, I guess, or my injunction to be, to remind myself to be better than I was yesterday, or at least try, uh, and to do the things, embrace the things, learn about the things that are necessary to do that. And so Project Simper was born of that. And so being a self-engendering machine of perpetual effectiveness and resolve, because remember, there is no path of least resistance, but there is a path of least effectiveness. And you don't want to be that. (laughs) So. That is where that came from, um, in case any of you have been wondering out there, because Project Semper has actually been around for a year now. I haven't been doing any big marketing pushes or anything like that, which you need to start helping with now that you're a part of this. You can bring your brain to bear on the that. woman who doesn't ever go on Facebook except to look for cheap bookshelves on Marketplace. Yeah, whatever, really but what do you do for a living? Uh, I tell people with talent how to do their jobs and when and how many hours to spend so that they can help other people sell right. products. So start doing that. <laughs> oh, think about it. So Simper, what say you? When we first started talking about doing this together, when you asked me if I would do this with you, I was very familiar with the past. Obviously, I was part of that. Um, here's a thing. 
you and I have known each other for about 10 years, right? About a, uh, yes, since 2012. Yeah. 10 years. Uh, so I was familiar with, with you, with your thought process, with past podcasts, with past um, trains of thought. And I went to MiriamWebster.com and I looked up the definition of every single one of those words in all of their capacities because I knew kind of your interpretation. I wanted a literal interpretation and then I wanted to use it to make my own, which I'm still forming because I only got asked to do this a few weeks ago and it takes me a while to form some thoughts. But I... You mean this isn't your sole focus of your life? You um, have a job? And, and a life? Five animals and a man. Five. <laughs> five. I two only dogs. Know of, two I only kids. know of three. Two dogs, two cats, and a bearded dragon. Oh right. I know Indy. Oh right. You still have the other Indy? No, the cat. I still have the black cat. Yes, the black cat who different tangent. Talk about her someday. But I thought well, I don't ever go on social media. I don't ever post anything about my life. I don't send people Christmas cards with pictures of what I've done this year and a letter summarizing what I've done. I'm very off the grid when it comes to being open about my life with other people. But with what I've been through in the past few years personally, I have read and listened to a lot of other people's stories. And that has helped me come through on the other side. Because sometimes I don't feel alone. And sometimes I think, oh man, that's rough. I'm not doing so bad. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I thought, well, what do I have to contribute? Why am I sitting in front of a microphone? And I thought if I can be part of that web, if I can pass, if I can take that torch that's been passed and keep that light going and maybe somebody else will hear something and that'll help them come through the other side of whatever it is they're thinking in their heads, then I've fulfilled my gap, my hole in the universe that other people have helped fill for me. So. It's hard for us a lot of times to, oh, the video just died. Mm. Actually, I think, oh, well. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for us to conceive of how big the world is a lot of times. And really humans, I don't think we're really meant to know more than a, about a village worth of people. It's, it's one it's of the, much. it's one of the things that's, that's degrading, um, the, the human psyche these days is the, the overwhelming constant connection. Connection is great, but you can't handle, it's like basically every Indiana Jones movie was made on this premise. It's like, you can't handle all this information. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to, going back to Adam and Eve, you don't need to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because life's going to get pretty rough for you after that. But anyway, um, it's, it's difficult for us, I think, to conceptualize a world so large where there are so many more people who are so suffering so much worse than we are. And also that there are so many people out there who could learn from our suffering if we are willing to step forward and talk about it. And that is really tough. That's a tough step. Um, and so, again, being here in front of these microphones and sharing experiences as we'll, as we'll go along and talking about 
these concepts and these things and whatever else might come up in our day-to-day lives or come across the horizon. Um, I, I don't think it can do anything but help. And the, the, the essential, the, the core of project Simper is don't start out there. In fact, you probably shouldn't ever do anything out there. And if you can't see me, I'm pointing outside. You have to start here. Now I'm pointing to my chest. I'm pointing inside. And you probably should never expand that work past your own skin. It should grow of its own. But the work of you is never ending. It can't, by definition, this path has no end. And if you can get on board with the concept of if you choose this life, a life of trying to find your potential, trying to figure out what in the hell I am, what is it that I can be? I have to be able to be something. Am I everything that I can, that I, that I am right now? Because I don't believe that at any stage of our lives, I don't believe that we are everything that no, we, then we can would be, be the perfect being. And that doesn't, I don't believe that that exists on earth. No. Plus I, that would be really boring. If you were perfect, no one would want to hang out with you. Extraordinarily boring. <laughs> um, there's a concept essentially about utopia that is, if utopia did exist, that it would end up in a conflagration because the people there would be so damn bored that they would just start breaking shit just to have something interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so the message that that message of working on the self the first word in simper is self and it's not selfish it is reflective it is how am i going to be better and what am i going to do to get there and it's not doing so and thinking um well i'm going to do this to save the world or i'm going to do this to help people you're going you got to help yourself first what's the, what do they tell you on an airplane oh my gosh that's literally in my notes look at this Ripple effect, oxygen mask analogy. Look at that. See, I've been hanging out. Too I would long. say that great minds think alike, but <laughs> I don't know what to call Our myself. Minds think alike. Yeah, but and is that so? You know where I'm going, right? <laughs> if you don't, if you don't take care of yourself and improve yourself and make sure that you are not going to be here, we go again with entropy. You are not going to be a victim of entropy because you are not doing anything. You are taking the fictitious path of least resistance because you just can't stand the friction then think about what the flight attendants tell you to do on an airplane before you take off. If you have small children or elderly or anybody that's not capable of uh, putting the oxygen mask on themselves, you put it on them because, or you put your, I'm sorry, you put yours on Mm -hmm. first before you put theirs on. You can't help anybody as much as you might want to if you can't help yourself. And what works for you isn't going to work for me. And what works for me isn't going to work for somebody else. It's not what it's about. I'm not interested in telling anybody else what I think they should do. I'm going to tell people what I've done for myself and what that's done for me in hopes that that spurs other people to discover because you can't, you can't get to the highest peak until you've been to the lowest peak. And the more you, the more you try, the more you explore, the more you push, you get those lower lows and those higher highs. And that to me is experiencing life. And there's nothing wrong with being 
dragged along the bottom when life pulls you down. And there's nothing wrong with sitting at the bottom of the valley and going, damn it, I failed. Well, it's necessary. Yep. Otherwise you don't, I mean, if you just stay on the same line your whole life, what are you doing? And there you go again. You are, if you seek the path of least resistance, you're just simply going to end up being destroyed by all of the energy around you because you can't avoid it. You can't hide from it. And so and you can't control it and you can't control it, but you can control yourself, your emotions, um, what you do. And yeah, it's, it's completely necessary to be beaten down. You have to, it's like, you know, keeping teenagers in the house forever these days is killing them. One of the things that's killing them, um, because they got to get out and experience and rub up against the world and get some friction and be beaten down a little bit and meet some different people outside of their own hometown and all this kind of stuff. To find out who they are. And we're still doing, I mean, we should be doing that our whole lives, starting from when we're old enough to walk safely across the street by ourselves. I think. Yeah. And it, kids. But yeah, but it's important to... um it's important, especially, uh, I mean, not even really in particularly any, any, uh, set age group, but it's, it's important, I think in different ways throughout your entire life to continue to engage in that, to continue to stretch and, uh, push and experience things that are out of your comfort zone because it's really easy. I did a, actually, I did a, a whole thing, a video, I did a really cool video and a podcast about routine versus rut. And a routine is something that you need, I believe, to put the minutia of life into its functioning box so that you don't have to waste what are the what are the what do y'all say at work? The bandwidth. So that you don't have to waste the bandwidth on where the hell your glasses are or where your water bottle is before you're getting out the door. So you build routines to avoid catastrophe. But a rut is a fear of expanding and doing something different that you may perceive as uncomfortable. And I'm 53, I'll be 54 soon, and I can feel. In the last year, I can, I've really started to be able to feel, I, I can see that down the road. I can see where that would come into play for me. And thank God I'm married to who I'm married to because she keeps me moving and active and on top of mountains. Traveling and, the world. Yeah, yes. Stuff like that. So, which I totally love. But, um, but I think that's equally important is it's not, it, it's about me pushing myself out of my comfort zone and then respecting the fact that others around me, if they want to explore something new, if they want to go find out who they are outside of their current existence and try something new out of what my normal expectations are, I need to respect that. I should respect that because I'm going to benefit from that too, especially with the people that are closest in my life. If my mother says, I want to train to hike the Appalachian Trail. That's going to make her, well, if that's her choice, if that is something that brings her joy and that expands her horizons, 
there is going to be a ripple effect outside of that. And I can't say to her, oh, well, I'm worried about you. So I don't want you to go. I mean, I can, but that's really. You're going to worry. <laughs> yeah. But to, to verbalize that can be destructive. Not in a, in a horrible way, and not but in a way, yeah, but it, no, not intentionally, but in a way that, um, that removes, certainly removes, removes some of the joy from that activity, but also from the excitement right. of doing something different or hard, difficult. And it's new. so crushing to hear that from people that you totally. love. Totally. And the, and those are the people who are most likely in your life to say those things to you because your family can be a lot more candid with you than, than people who aren't as close. And family has a, we, before we started hitting record, we had an interesting conversation, sort of a warm up, I called it, but your family has a tendency to be a little more passive aggressive if they want to get a point across. And it's usually about something that's their own insecurity that they're trying to project onto you. And they don't want to be left alone in their misery. So they're going to try to drag you down into it. And the only way that they can just, they're not horrible people. So they're not malevolent and coming at you to drag you into the fiery pits of hell. But what they're trying to do is use a, uh, use semantic language in a cute way to make you feel bad about what it is that you're doing because they're not doing it. hundred <laughs> percent. And if that goes back to the self, if you're so busy pointing fingers at everybody else because of things they're doing that are making you feel insecure about you not pushing yourself. I mean, th- take those fingers, put them, put them back in your fist and put your fists in your pocket and go look in a mirror because Rather than trying to control somebody else's life or make them feel bad about things that they're trying to do, why don't you start pushing those things on yourself? Well, why does that make me uncomfortable that she wants to go do that? Okay, well, because I'm afraid for her health. Okay, well, maybe instead of selling her, to be clear, you are completely making this up. This is not a thing that's happening. My mother's not hiking the Appalachian (laughs) Trail. Um, I think she would give, I know exactly what look she would give me if I told her that I thought she would do that. I but do too. Yes. <laughs> but you know, it's like, okay, well, instead of telling her, I don't think you should do that. Tell her, I love this for you. Know that we're going to worry and we love you. What can I do to help make this the safest journey for you? I mean, it's, it's just turning something around on its head and it's looking at your own insecurities. And I highly recommend if you can manage it, some sort of therapy, if you can't get there on your own, cause my account, my therapist was amazing and taught me how to think a lot of these ways. But that's, that's a lot of what that is. And it's not intentional. It's not harmful. It's not hateful. It really does come from a loving place, but it also, also I think comes from a, a place of not understanding your own feelings. And that's why, like, I also have a note about meditation and I could talk about meditation for hours, but and we will, that's what, that's what that has. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. That, that has, a lot of that has come from my meditation. It's like, oh. Well, I'm feeling angry because, okay, well, let's dial that back, dial that back. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I have something constructive to say and do. Great. And as is always the case, it comes back to the self. You just talked 100%. about your own insecurities and this, that, and the other. When it, it, everything, those, I, I just, I read it earlier. Everything good and bad comes back to the self. You can generate, you, you're not in control of the universe or anything that happens around you. 
I used to tell my daughter, the universe is not happening to you. It's happening around you. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it's hard when you're 11 years old to conceptualize that the universe is not happening to you. Yes, your world <laughs> is a lot smaller. But anyway, it, it circles back to the control of the self, learning how to do that because you're not born with that uh, innate ability. That is something that has to be honed and crafted over decades and an entire life. And you should always continue to work on it. And that's, the, again, that's at the heart of, of where Project Semper was born. Again, Semper starts with S. The S stands for self. Um, and that's what it's all about. And so having said that, I want to... I see something. I'm peeking over at your uh, notebook. We're both <laughs> note takers. Um, and I'm going to get to something that I see on your page over okay. there because it's, it is the, um, I call it the Semper Triad. And again, this is not a new idea. There's no new concepts here. It's just how you come at it and sort of maybe I can explain in my way what it represents to me and why it's important. And you can talk about that as well. But first, going back to what you were talking about, looking so simper, self-engendering machine of perpetual effectiveness and resolve. (sighs) That is a big mouthful of a lot of syllables that if you don't break it down, you can sort of, it can get lost on you. But if you can, if you sort of, if you break it down, 